Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios of SilverbergTranch.org on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. We've been having a discussion about Habitat for Humanity. I'm with Tim, and he has been here volunteering at Silverbird Ranch, and most of his volunteer time now is with Habitat for Humanity. So we've been trying to focus on that a little bit and really want to encourage you as a listener to get involved, look up. There, there's a website, obviously, Habitat for Humanity, they can go to. Yes. And uh, look up the various things. They can look up to donate. They can look up on, can they look up, can they figure out how to volunteer from there? So there's a Habitat International, which is out of Americus and their corporate headquarters in Atlanta. But what I would encourage you, if you're in, say, Green Bay, Wisconsin, there's a local Habitat affiliate there. And you just Google Habitat Green Bay. The affiliate, each affiliate has its own website. They'll have a volunteer coordinator, which is probably, if you're looking to volunteer in any realm, is your starting point. And they'll have either online, where you can sign up online, do an orientation and stuff like that. So I would, even though you can go international, um, that's not really probably where you'll volunteer unless you're in another program like an RV or program, and that's a, kind of a different. Uh, okay, deal. now with that, I, I've seen these restores or whatever it is. I, I know there's one in northeastern Wisconsin. I believe it's in Appleton, but it's in the Fox River Valley somewhere, and you can look that up online. It's called Restore, right? Yes. And, and what is that? So a Restore is 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 like a Goodwill, uh, exactly like a Goodwill. They receive a donations actually from brand new stuff from people who haven't used, say, paint products, uh, manufacturers, um, but also donations from your homeowner. So uh, when we traveled, uh, when we sold our house, we had a bunch of furniture and storage. And after we were on the road six months, we didn't miss it. And we donated all of our furniture and goods uh, to Habitat in Hutchison, Kansas. And they came with a truck. They picked it up. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's... Now, do people, you talked about sweat equity in the last program. It, 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 can they work at the restore for part of their yes. sweat so equity? Yes, so any of the programs. So they don't have to work on a construction site. They can work at a restore. They can work in, in any area to, that that affiliate has volunteers that they're putting in that sweat equity. Because there's some that have some disabilities that would preclude them, say, from getting on a ladder. We have programs for uh uh, military veterans, uh, some of whom are double amputees and obviously could not do that, but they put in equity in where they can in other areas of habitat. Okay, here's the million dollar question for me. You find somebody who's uh, old, I mean, and perhaps not able to really function 100%. I see that you do help them if they need help at times, but what if they can't give the sweat equity? What, what do you do? So they do have programs for uh, the elderly or senior housing. Um, but again, um, so in a restore, you don't have to be carrying couches around. You can sit on a chair in a counter and just, you know, put tags on individual inventory. Uh, they will find if you, is there some disabilities that the person could not even get in a store? Maybe, but that person probably then couldn't live in their own home and may not be a candidate. They would, if, if they cannot be independent in a home, then. Okay, so that's yeah. kind of the, right. the drawing line. Yeah. And that's, that's established by the individual communities, the, the leadership within the, the, affiliates, the affiliates, the individual affiliates. Uh, but basically, yeah, you, this is not assisted living. You, you have to be independent to live in your home, own home. If you cannot 
care for your own home, it's unlikely you would be a candidate. And be, uh, if you right. need, yeah, okay, right. well, good answer. I was just wondering because you think, okay, you help people who are needy, and right. somebody may, you know, if if I get to where I'm in a wheelchair and I need my house to be changed over to handicap accessible, yeah, you'll still find something possibly that I could do to put some sweat equity Absolutely. into it, even though I can't really pound nails or carry boards. Or Yeah, we did some builds in Eustis, Florida, in a place called Veterans Village, and we worked with uh, one of the veterans who was a double-A amputee, was in a wheelchair. Everything we built in that house was ADA compliant. But again, he did other things in the restore where you could have a wheelchair, and he was able to function in a house still. He had a wife and everything, but... Sure. Um, Obviously, there's accommodation. Hey, you're not going to make well, me go up on a ladder. Yeah, if I'm volunteering, you could bring donuts. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would be all for that because, you know, I like donuts. So I was reading on the website, actually, and I saw uh, the latest statistic because statistics sometimes are slow uh, in getting out. But 2017, Habitat for Humanity helped 3.5 million people um, get decent housing. 3.5 million. And that was just with the affordable housing. They helped another 2.6 million improve their living conditions. That is over 6 million people that they helped in one year. That's absolutely amazing. How do they get their support? So each affiliate is financially independent of the corporate international out of Atlanta and Americas. And so they'll do fundraising. They get support. Obviously, they get donations, say, from Lowe's or Whirlpool. Whirlpool donates all uh, uh, their the appliances to every homeowner in the, uh, I think, North America, but at least the United States. Uh, those statistics also, so there's maybe about 1,500 Habitat affiliates in North America, but Habitat builds homes in 70 countries around the world. And so that also accounts of going in. It's under the same principles, the same mission statement of Habitat they've got to abide by. Um, so each of those, uh, uh, each of those segments uh, bring home as far as what Habitat is building. Okay, so it really the, the local affiliates are the ones that really work at yes. trying to figure out how to bring it local. Yes. And then there's just standards for, for them that the national sets. And That's right. There is, uh, again, the mission statement. Uh, they have to abide by the, the mission statement and as a Christian nonprofit. But the funding will all be different. You could go to a very large affiliate and they build 70 homes a year. And then you could go to affiliate that doesn't have a, a large income base and maybe they do one home a year and then in greenville there is a repair and restoration so we'll go in and i've worked on these projects where we're we'll take out a bathroom gut it and rebuild a bathroom uh to maybe make it ada compliant sure. or it's falling apart yeah yeah did COVID affect any building projects or uh, big time, yeah. yeah, yeah what huge. Happened? What, yeah. What? Well, uh, and I'll just use Greenville since we were down there because they the RV program stopped for the entire time. They stopped because of travel was not a good idea during that time. Um, but in Greenville, we were supposed to build in 2020 uh, 22 homes, and that went down to I believe seven. Uh, because they stopped using volunteers, which is really the basis for the homes. But right. they have some what they call site supervisors, with, which are their employees. And they went out to the sites, masked up or whatever, uh, to the sites. But they did not allow volunteers up until, I believe, um, 
uh, this summer. Okay. Uh, they allowed, they start allowing volunteers to come back. Yeah. So you're back at somewhat full speed at this point. Yes. A- at least they, at this moment in history. At that, this moment, I understand like, everything. Like every change. affiliate, they they monitor the statistics and they change accordingly. But uh, they're in Greenville. They are, and the RV program began again in June. Uh, this year, summer, where they opened the builds up and people are now traveling like we are. We're heading out to the East Coast in September to do a build in New York. Okay, so uh, the RV program, you've mentioned it a couple times. Obviously, to be a part of that, you have to have your own RV. You live by your... How does that work? Yes, you have to have your own self-contained RV, so not a pop-up trailer. You have to have a shower, bathroom, um, you know, probably refrigerator uh, in there. So self-contained is is the word, but um, we've had... We've had class C's, class A's, class B's. If you in the RV right. world, okay, right. uh, we've not had. A, I was talking to um, one of your uh, volunteers yeah. who has a motorhome and works for the sewers. Right. Okay, and so it's kind of sim. I mean, different objectives, but in God's kingdom, they're both great ministers. So you don't get. They don't provide you with food. They don't provide you. You, you show up and pretty much you're volunteering. You take care of your own food, your own housing and your own needs basically financially so what they do is when you sign up they have the local affiliate it is their obligation to find you a campsite but there could be a monitor they'll tell you is it if it's free maybe the they donated the campsite or it's 10 bucks or 15 bucks a night uh there's no food included but some of the affiliates will say well we'll provide lunches or we're going to do a dinner for you uh but that's not you don't yeah you don't yeah. Tr- go there for that yeah. uh for a free meal so i'd be looking for donuts i, 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 I like donuts so you, you know you bring me a donut i'd be happy and, and then i'd work all Works day for a lot of people yeah now silly question maybe but do they make RVers go to places of adverse weather in the winter or they do warmer builds in the winter? Well, they don't, uh, they, they wouldn't come to upper Wisconsin in the winter because to build outside, in RVs, remember, even though there's a number of RVs that they say are four season, you know, to operate in zero temperatures in an RV, uh, is extreme and you, you could have freezing lines. So generally, and this is true in a, if at a general RV crowd, You are going to be building in the Midwest, upper north in the summer, and you're going to be building in the lower Midwest, south in the winter, Uh, just to stay out of freezing your pipes in your RV. Yeah, just for the record, we do build in the winter up here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is for our beers. (laughs) Yeah, just just so you know, we we continue to build year-round. So my idea now is for Habitat to build uh, places where people can go in the winter and help that way you know i mean maybe maybe they could do that take over a, a motel that's shut down or something uh for the the winter because they don't have as many people so people can continue to build big again the northern people do build in the winter but i understand you wouldn't take an rv there to do that especially a pop-up camper that just wouldn't work in, yeah. in most cases <laughs> uh, unless you're really really a tough guy i guess um and uh, right now do you see um habitat working in areas of like natural disaster, do they go and help there at all? Yes. Uh, so they have do have a disaster relief team, both in the RV program and outside. Uh, but what I will say is Habitat is not a first responder. If any of the listeners are familiar with Samaritan's Purse, yes. they actually are more of a first responder. They're going to go in when Red Cross goes in. Uh, because when you have an RV, you actually have to have some infrastructure. You have to have, even though you could have a generator, you have to have some gasoline or diesel or power. Um, so 
And what Habitats de defines the disaster relief is usually a year after the disaster. In other words, there's blue tarps on the roof. Uh, the house needs to be mucked out. You're, so you're taking all the drywall off. But it's usually a year after that. And there's at least, uh, the for the RVers purposes, you can go in there, plug in, set up, and then work on the houses. But again, it is not first. It is not a first responder disaster relief. Yeah, I, I think that's an important perspective because... Really, we, we had, we've had several times here, we have tornadoes or whatever, two years ago, and we had this derecho come through. Um, it, the people who were most valuable that came and helped were all self-contained people. We didn't have the resources to take care of people. You know, I mean, we didn't. We're in the middle of a crisis. So if somebody comes and says, I'll come, and you got to take care of me this way and that way and that way, it's like, we don't have those people. We, we don't even have a place. You want to park your RV? Trees are everywhere. There's nowhere to park your RV. Now, yes, we could figure out you could park in the field if you're self-contained. Yeah. But what would happen is people would actually show up here, and, and we did have some places they could sleep, and, and our dining hall didn't get hurt, so we could feed. I mean, that, that we could continue to do. So we were a little bit better off than some places. But those who came with their own stuff, they came with their own chainsaws, they came with their own skid steers, they came with their own logging equipment, and they helped us, and they left. I, I could have gave it all those guys, you know, that's better than a donut. You know what I mean? That, that right there was very valuable because they came and they understood I need to come be self motivated and directed and take care of my own. I'm not going to ask them for chainsaw gas. I'll bring mine. I'm not going to ask them for chainsaws and chains. I'm going to bring mine. I'm not going to ask them to sharp. I was so thankful for that group because we didn't have any, we didn't, we didn't have power for days you know much less being able to help the helpers and uh, i encourage if you ever want to go help somebody in the middle of a crisis you need to make sure that you don't become the burden for them yeah they have enough burdens at that point they are thankful that you want to help believe me they, they are overly thankful that you want to help but unless you're equipped to go in and actually help without any help from them you're not equipped to go in so don't do that because you'll become more of a burden to them than you will be a blessing at that point. And you're right. Uh, there are other, I enjoy, we, we've talked about other Christian organizations that step up and do different things. You know, Samaritan's Purse is a great example, man. They just go in. They don't care who they're, they're going in and taking care of people. And they'll do it in a crisis situation, whether it be COVID, earthquakes, uh, you know, hurricanes, whatever it might be, anywhere in the world. Boy, those guys are there. And, um, I've heard criticism of certain aspects, whatever. It's like, that's fine. These guys are there, and they're, they're serving. And I don't know all the politics. I don't know all the everything else. But I tell you what, when there's a crisis, you see a Samaritan's Purse truck, you're thankful that they're there. And I think likewise, Habitat for Humanity, on a different level, different place, different time, you're thankful when you see the truck. Because you're realizing in this world that's so mean to everybody, that's so argumentative, that's so social media conscious, there's people that show up with hard hats that say, can we help you? I mean, that's what they're doing. And that's refreshing. And there are so many people who, you know, young moms or, or people who have struggled or just trying to figure out how to, how to make it in this world where they're, they're getting started or they, they've had some, you know, things go wrong. It, they need somebody to say, you know what, we can help you. We can help you. And, and actually do that. That is uh, very Christian of us to do. So I think anyone that can get involved in that, I encourage you to do that. Um, 
So the the ReStore, we've talked about a little bit. Uh, it's run by volunteers. Is it owned by the local group? Yes. So the stores are owned by the local affiliate. Uh, they will generally have an employee who is the manager, basically, of that facility. But most of the folks who work in there on a day-to-day basis will be volunteers. They will have, again, probably a general store manager, maybe one other employee of the affiliate. But like all the Habitat projects, most of the people on a job site or in the restore will be volunteers. Is there a requirement? Can anybody go into the restore and buy something? Or is there a requirement for your, do you have to be under a certain income to go into the restore? Anybody can to... go in and buy. Uh... So the, the point of the restore is not necessarily to help those that are needy. That's correct. That the point of the restore is to raise funds for the local affiliate because they'll get donations and they'll get donations from very wealthy individuals, kitchens, sets that are coming out, um, uh, flooring, countertops, whatever, refrigerators. Um, The whole point of the restores is when they get the donations to sell it to the public, to raise funds so they can actually build houses for the lower income. Okay, so if I am somebody that I'm working with Habitat for Humanity, we're building a house for my family. Um, do, is there, a, do I get refrigerators that have been donated to Habitat in no, my home? No, um, remember, so in North America, uh, especially the United States, Whirlpool donates a refrigerator, I believe microwave and stove uh, to all affiliates. So they get those as a pa- they're donated. Okay, so that's part of the deal. That's for part the of the deal. Uh, some affiliates, not a lot, uh, where they'll the affiliate will raise money to donate a washer dryer. Many don't do that, some do. Um, but they the, that restore is not created for a habitat owner. Okay. It's created to help <laughs> basically build homes for income. It's a fundraiser. Okay, that, so and, that so, yes. so me as a building a home, I don't go to the Habitat store to find no. supplies for the home we're building right now. Uh, no, you don't go and find supplies for the home you're building. Unless so, you want a rug, you see a rug there, oh, I'd like that in my home, and you want to buy that rug, well, you could do that. Okay, so it, it's basically um, surplus people that donate to the restore it's it's not necessarily to build those homes for habitat for humanity it's to sell at the resource it is to sell that's correct okay that just clear clarifies for me because when i i've gone into a restore once i thought oh do they use these to build i mean they take it from here and go build a house and yeah, uh, yeah. so that's not how that works. That's very much more like Goodwill. No, a lot of times you'll see excess, like excess paint that they didn't use on a project, and they. It, but it's perfectly good. They'll sell it um, in there. You'll, you'll see maybe excess material and builders come in. But they also, unlike a Goodwill, at least from my knowledge, uh, there's there's vendors who will say, oh, uh, this is brand new stuff, but we no longer need the inventory, and they donate it to the Restore Habitat. And it's in its initial packaging, and you can go in there and buy it probably for 50% than going over to your local hardware store. Okay. So in many respects, again, that's just a, another fundraiser that's right. for yes. Habitat for Humanity. Probably and like first. Goodwill, it trains people in service and working in the store. Yes, because they have the volunteers. You can do sweat equity. And I think the point on day for training is important that where Habitat is training, the the 
one of the biggest surprises for me, and it shouldn't have been, is in working with Habitat, um, that just because you're low income doesn't mean you're stupid. Right. And if I say that in a, a very kind of coarse way, right? Right. Um, because what 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 we're called to be disciples, and Habitat is discipling these folks in something they didn't know about. Well, right. they didn't know about finances, managers, their parents or parent never told them about how to take care of a home. So just to say all, oh, you know, they're low income and they're such and such, never characterize people. If you train them, they can learn and they do learn. And Habitat's a great example of that as well as just as Christians, as we disciple others, don't, you know, write somebody off because they put them in a certain class. Absolutely. You know, oftentimes I like to ask the students at Nicolay Bible in my class, if, if poor people are loved by God, and of course, they hesitate and look at me like, where are you going with this? No, I'm just asking. Well, yes. Well, then let's act like it. I said, are rich people loved by God? And there's no hesitation there for some reason. Yes. It's like, okay, well, let's act like it. But, you know, actually, they're both loved by God. You know, some have 10 talents, some have five, some have one. They're both loved. So another question is then, can a... Can somebody who's poorer in the world anywhere, can they enjoy life? And yeah, again, they hesitate. That must be American in some way. You know what I mean? It's like, no, the answer is yes, they can enjoy life. Can they, can they enjoy, can they love their family? Yes. Can they love God? Yes. Can they uh, and get up every day and enjoy what God has given? Yes, they can. So what's different then? You know, well, one doesn't have money, one does. So the important stuff in life, it doesn't depend on whether you're rich or poor. However, those who have resources, they're going to be held accountable for how they use them. Those who don't have resources are not going to be held accountable for the lack of resources they cannot use. You know what I mean? They're not going to be held accountable for that. They're going to be held accountable for the resources they have. And if they only have one talent, okay, they got one. What are they doing with it? If they have 10, they have 10. What are you doing with it? And I think we we have to look at it in that manner and not judge people according to their income or not. When I started the ministry here many years ago, I was in that extremely poor category. And I remember I had to go through that in my life because to me that was kind of a failure. I I I wasn't being paid. And when I went to try and get a loan, it was like, yeah, sorry, I only make this much. You know, I mean, it's like I felt like a failure. And even those people in the process that I was involved with made you feel like a failure because, well, why aren't you making more? You know, I mean, why can't you do more? Well, I was a school teacher. I quit that because I wanted to do this and I wanted to use my life in a different way. And the way I chose to use it doesn't pay very well. That's why I don't make very much, you know I mean? But I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but I just didn't make money. And I've told kids for many years, you know, I think for the last 40 years, I, I'm not sure I've gone to work because I've done exactly, I think, what God put me on the planet to do. I mean, talking to you today and doing this, it, this doesn't seem like work to me. You know, I, I would do this for the fun of it. And yet, you know, I get to do it on a regular basis. So. I think we have to f- figure out, you know, God, how did you wire me? What is it that you made me to do? Um, often I'll ask young people to look at their lives and tell me, what would you do if money wasn't a factor at all? 
not even close to being a factor. What would you do with your life? And they hesitate for a while. And, you know, if they, a lot of times, you know, they might come up with something like, I'd be a welder. Well, why aren't you going to be one? Well, because, you know, I, uh, I should probably be a youth pastor or something. <laughs> it's like, maybe not. Maybe you should be a welder. I remember I was talking to a young man and, and I was mentoring him and we were talking about his future. And I said, so what's your, what would you love to do? He said, I, I use welding for an example because he said, I'm going to go learn welding. I said, really? You want to do that? He goes, no, but I got to make money. And I looked and I said, what would you want to do? I mean, think about it for a second. What in life would be so fulfilling to you that you wouldn't even care what you got paid? And he said, I want to be a bodyguard. I said, really? I said, being a welder isn't going to get you there. I said, you know what you need to do then? If you're really serious about that, I want to encourage you to go into the military. Get some training, get some discipline, see what it's like, see what it's like to take orders, see what it's like to, you know, I mean, if you want to if you want to be a bodyguard one day, you got to take steps toward that kind of idea. And, and, and I am not a bodyguard, I, but I'm telling you what I think that, that would get you there closer than being a welder. <laughs> you know, may, maybe there's police school, whatever else, you know, I, whatever you want to do. Well, he ended up doing the military, did well in it. And, and I thought, good for you. You know, you're doing something in life that you said, here's what I want to do. Forget what it pays you at this point. We, we never trust in our money or our resource or our talent. We trust in God. And he puts us in all places of society, in the poor, in the rich, in the, in, in the famous, the infamous, I guess, whatever. We're, we're, we're in all those places. And I, and I encourage people, enjoy how God made you. And it's not about how much money you make. It's not about your extreme comfort level. Uh, you've been to my home, Tim. And a, a, a while ago, I had somebody come up and visit, and they said, you live there? Someone that's been working all these years lives there? I said, what's wrong with that? I love my house. It's not very big. I thought, oh, well, please forgive me. You know what I mean? Uh, really, there's a story behind that house. God gave that to me. You know, I didn't have any money, and I was able to get a 1% loan like you were talking about, not with Habitat, but different place. And, and so that home keeps reminding me of God's faithfulness whenever I walk into it. And I want to stay there until I can't stay there anymore because I enjoy the worship experience of being there. And I don't know how many guys can say that about their home, that it reminds them of God's provision on a regular basis. I don't need a big home. In fact, my wife and I are empty nesters. The home's too big. You know, I mean, we don't need that much space. But I think, you know what, it'd be more of a hassle to get it to move. It'd be more of a hassle to do anything else. So we'll just stay there and enjoy the fact that we have somewhere to live and that God's provided for us. So You don't need a big space. We live in a van for uh, months on end. I know. I was thinking, <laughs> here you are living in a van and uh, not very much space in there, but. You don't need that much to uh, to live or even enjoy life. What you need is is to have relationships with God and each other, and enjoy those. And that's where life is. It isn't in the the circumstances of money and finance. Well, I thank you, Tim, for coming and actually giving us the time. And hopefully, those that are listening will be thinking about their lives, what they want to do with them, and maybe uh, go to the Habitat for Humanity website. Go Google it and and go get on that site. 
take a look, uh, get involved with your local affiliate, go talk to them because it is locally controlled. So go talk to them and, and say, how can I help? How can I volunteer? If you have a skill that you can, even if you could just uh, you know, carry shingles from one place to another, uh, you could be used on one of those sites and, and encourage people in the name of uh, God, so in the name of Christ. Uh, this is Younger Older, and I'm Dave Wager in the studios of Silver Birch Ranch. Goodbye. <laughs>